How's it going, everybody? My name is Davey. This is the Give Em Hell podcast. I'm doing a little something different this week, um, because we're all kind of stuck inside with nowhere to be and nothing to do. I'm uh, recording a few episodes uh, ahead of time, so uh, I have it. The Imelda May episode hasn't been out too terribly long, uh, so I'm just going to presumptuously say thank you for listening to it. It was cool. Uh, it was cool to do a rockabilly psychabilly band that I had a really good time talking about. And uh, again, thank you, thank you for your patience on that one. It was it was a tough one, especially with like all the fucking information that was involved with it and that went into it. And I feel like now I have a little bit of a better grasp on like if I am going to take on something much larger to chew on and a much larger band. Uh, to talk about, uh, I feel like I have a pretty good blueprint uh, for how to ha- how I'm going to handle it from here on out. So, thank you for getting through that with me. Um, this week uh, we're tearing down a band that's a little little bit different. Uh, in that, in by a little bit different, I mean uh, completely different. Uh, we are not doing rockabilly. We are not doing psychabilly. Uh, we are diving into the world of street punk, uh, but very, very traditional street punk. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Because I'm recording these ahead of time, uh, I'm kind of putting do yourself a favor on the back burner. Instead, I am unearthing something. When I originally started the idea of doing a music-based podcast. I wanted, like, different segments, and, like, I thought it was going to be a lot more collective, and uh, it started out as just, like, Instagram stories. Um, Like, I had one segment that I called uh, I Don't Speak Spanish, But I Love This Song, uh, where I was finding out about bands that uh, sang... Uh, in different languages, and uh, I, I still do, like, go down those rabbit holes from time to time. I just don't, uh, I'm not as vocal about them, especially now that I'm doing this. I would like to be able to use this as an outlet. Uh, but one of the original things that I had had in mind uh, when I was fielding the idea of starting a podcast was a segment called How in the Hell Did I Not Know, How in the Hell Did I Not Know That This Existed? Uh, so for the next few episodes, I'm just going to dig into a few bands uh, that I have, uh, found through like just like uh, what whatever outlet it might be like whether it be through like the spotify algorithm just blindly picking up an album or anything in between uh but it's usually only gonna it's usually it's only gonna be about one band um so yeah uh so instead of do yourself a favor just keep your ears open uh this week i uh uh one of the very 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 first bands um that i found that really sparked this idea uh, the first one was the Friday Prophets, who I have talked about on a previous episode. And again, if you like Green Day, Friday Prophets are definitely, definitely worth checking out. I think I might have said this name before, once or maybe twice, uh, but uh, there is a band that I really, really like and def- definitely, definitely worth talking about, at least for two minutes. Like, if you listen to this for recommendations, that's awesome. Like, I hope that anybody, like, takes in takes in anything that i say and like dives in uh but a band that i really really have just latched onto like crazy uh like very very consistently it's not like oh cool well i like this and i'm just going to like keep that in my back pocket and like never really think about it again like this band actually pops up quite a bit and i am currently in the process of trying to find any physical copies of their albums uh through discogs or any other means like that uh but the band is called north alone um they are a german folk punk band 
they have like, big pulsing melodies with standalone sing-alongs. Uh, if you need a band to get into since Nothington broke up, these guys are definitely for you. That is exactly, like, that is more or less what I wrote, like, on my Instagram story. Um, but this band, the first fucking time that I heard them, sounded exactly like Nothington to the point where I was genuinely confused. And I don't think that it, I don't think that they popped up on a Nothington algorithm, uh, just because they are from Germany. And they also use a violin. Uh, they use, um, <clears throat> what is it? They use a violin, uh, from time to time, and they also, uh, thrive on their acoustic guitars. Uh, so, where this band does get, like, really big and really hooky and very, like, modern pop-punk sounding, uh, they still have, like, the grit of, like, just, like, your standard and practice punk band, and then every Blue Moon, you're gonna hear a violin, and it's awesome. They are, they are really, really good. Like, they are one of those bands, like, when you listen to them, much like Imelda May, when you listen to it, you can't really hear an accent. Like, when I found out that this band was from Germany I was just like fuck oh okay uh, dope uh, and that that ended up taking me down a really cool rabbit hole that we can dig into a little bit more uh, next week um, there's a lot of these bands uh, if not 90% of them are from overseas and if there's one thing that I've learned from just like spending so much of my time digging into music is if there is an equivalent to whatever you really, really like somewhere else, whether that band that you listen to is still active, whether that band that you listen to has disappointed you, there is a band out there, whether they are here in the U.S. or whether they are overseas, they, they, there are artists that can like get you where you need to be. And North Alone was one of them. And it came at the perfect time because it came right as Nothington was doing their farewell shows. <clears throat> anyway. I'm going to just call it there on the how in the hell did I not know that this existed. Uh, thank you guys for just being cool. Like, I'm trying to get ahead of this. Like, nothing nothing to do, nowhere to be, like I said. So, kind of just a uh, gauntlet recording. Um, and I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. And I, I have figured out how to, like, add segments and things like that. But I just want to make sure that the recording's consistent. And if I can do it all... If I can do it all in a take and it sounds okay, then I'm okay with that. Um, so that's it. Let's actually get into the album that we're talking about today. Like I said, we are getting into street punk, and not only are we getting into street punk, we are getting into one of my favorite albums. Like you, you set down like a tap, like a template, and it's just like give me five albums that you could listen to endlessly. The Nerve Agents, Days of the White Owl it would easily be in my top five. Like, it's just cover to cover. It's incredible. Uh, Days of the White Owl is the band's first full-length album uh, from California punk band The Nerve Agents, released in July 2000 on Revelation Records. This band is just insane. Like, I, I've been listening to them for quite a while. Um... And I, I just, I latched on. Like, the first time I saw uh, any video recording of this band, I was like, I, I, I'm into this. Like, I don't know this band, but, like, whatever they are, whatever they're about, uh, I'm into. And, like, I do not consider myself a completionist record collector by any means. I don't actively go out, like, looking to complete discographies, but, uh, for a band that ran five years, it was, uh, pretty easy to come across, uh, the entire discography for the Nerve Agents, uh, their first self-titled EP, uh, and then 
Days of the White Owl, and then the Butterfly Collection, which we will get into uh, a little bit, like, more or less. We'll talk about the Butterfly Collection a little bit, just because it was their last album, but today we're talking about Days of the White Owl. And if you're not familiar with the Nerve Agents, which I found, like, in talking to people, like, I just assumed that this band was just, like, a standard and practice. Like, I have always, I, I just always kind of lived on the guys, like, oh, hey, well, like, hey, if, if you like punk and you like hardcore punk, then, like, everybody knows this band. They don't. They they don't. And that's, that's okay, because, like, this is one of those bands that, like, I still listen to, and I'm just like, ah, yes. One of those bands that I still consider, like, mine, if that makes sense. It... it Music is for everybody, but I mean, we all have those bands. It's just like, this is my band. And the Nerve Agents, for me, are definitely one of those bands. Like, I just, I, I identify with them a lot. I love their music, and I listen to them constantly. Just like I brought I brought this band up in the Imelda May episode, which is, I think, what, like, sparked the idea of me doing this album. Uh, and it's not just because it was living on my turntable. Um, anyway, a little bit of background on the Nerve Agents. Agents. Sorry. The Nerve Agents were an American punk band formed uh, by Andy Outbreak and Eric Ozine in San Francisco in 1998. The Nerve Agents uh, were noted for their frenzied, chaotic, often violent performances. It was not unusual for a fan or band member to require medical medical attention and... uh, Often, uh, on such occasions, Ozine would uh, halt performances, escorting the injured to the hospital. Uh, They also had some other theatrical elements, such as uh, their standard and practice uh, eyeliner, uh, which was also a trademark of theirs. And on rare occasions, there would be a guest performer known only as the White Owl, uh, which harkens back to the album that we're talking about today, if you've heard me say it probably the past three or four times, uh, who would run across the stage in a white mummy-like robe. This band was all for theatrics. And one thing that I uh, kept looking at um, when I was like looking into this band and stuff like that, they kept getting categorized as horror punk. I kind of get it because of the theatrics, but like I would consider horror punk more lyric driven and the nerve agents definitely aren't that. That's okay though, but I mean, if you look at them, like yeah, especially like with the costumes and the eyeliner and stuff like that, it, it could it could be misconstrued a little bit, but I mean, at the end of the day, this is a fucking hardcore punk band at its finest. Um, I saw footage from this band, um, while I was like working on this episode and uh, it was from August of 2000 and they were playing at Gilman Street in California and you know I I the first time I the first time I ever saw the nerve agents uh, was on a music DVD if anybody remembers buying those uh, there was a release by Hellcat Records called Give Them the Boot in 2005 and that was the first time that I had seen the Nerve Agents and uh, they had a, a video of them playing Evil which is on Days of the White Owl um, and that was that was when I was like I love this band I love this energy but the video that they had shown on Give Them the Boot was not like it just paled in comparison to like this whole set that I watched from Gilman Street like when I watched this live set, I understood why people would go to the fucking hospital. Like, they just go up on stage and, you know, they're really, really calm, like tuning their guitars, everything like that. Lead singers, totally calm, collected. And then they start playing uh, their first song, which is Fall of the All-American, which is the first actual song on Days of the White Owl. Uh, and it just, the, the place just went 
like nuts. It just it just went berserk. Like it 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 was awesome to watch. And not only that, but like the lead singer just like throws himself into the crowd, like throws himself into the band members and stuff like that. You know when you go to a show, like you, we we all go to shows. We understand what it's like. We know like there's a stage, there's an audience, there are two different experiences, and then you know usually like there's like where you, the musicians are up a little bit higher, the audience is a little bit lower. Uh, Gilman Street, like he was just throwing himself all over, and he gets done with the last note of "Fall of the All American." He just throws the fucking mic across stage like as hard as he can, so much so that it takes like two minutes to even get to the next song, just because he has to go retrieve it. And after watching that, I totally see why. Ben and members as well would have to go to the hospital um <laughs> it it was it was so electrifying like i i have seen i have seen a lot of like hardcore punk shows and stuff like that um but watching this to this extent and like seeing it filmed like at gilman street in california where the band is from everything in between like it like the stars just lined up and i think i found a really really great set to watch and it was just so much fun oh my god it was so dangerous i'd get eaten alive in that because i don't fuck around like that anymore <sighs> but if i did but if i did I'd be so into this, like, oh my god, if I were still into ruining my body in a pit and shit like that, so far in, it's not even funny. But this live show, if you look it up on YouTube, is the Nerve Agents, August 2000, at Gilman Street. Totally, totally look it up. Like, it is, you know how I had once described pears as mass hysteria put to tape? Uh, yeah, uh, Nerve Agents, uh, did it before them and um probably better um anyway moving forward <laughs> i just i had such i i was watching that live performance in bed and i just couldn't wait to start my day like it was it was just a really fun way to start my day so sorry for gushing a little bit i it was just it was really fucking cool i'd never seen it before um Moving forward, uh, prior to the release of Days of the White Owl uh, in 2000, uh, the band had recorded a self-titled EP, uh, which, as well as a split with Kill Your Idols and appearing on a comp called uh, The Way It Should Be uh, on uh, Session Records. Uh, again, this band only has three material, like three like materialized things, like uh, aside from the split with Kill Your Idols and being featured on a comp. There is not a lot to go on. Um, and I just, you know, it, it, just as such, there's not a lot of history. So, I mean, prior, prior to Days of the White Elm, there was only one self-titled EP, and it was really, really good. It is eight songs, and it is 16 minutes, and it just, uh, it takes you for a fucking spin. Um, so, Days of the White Owl came out in 2000, and as with their debut EP, uh, the emphasis was on classic style hardcore punk, uh, played at a fast pace. The songs are rarely over two and a half minutes. Uh, piano pieces at the beginning and the end, played by bass player uh, Dante Sagona, uh, are in stark contrast to the music contained within. I love, a lot of the songs rely on bass as well as guitar riffs to carry the melody on uh, onto its swift conclusion. The band received some criticism for this album uh, for the lack of originality, but it was by and large well received by hardcore punk fans uh, with its catchy tunes and darkness place. Uh, or, yeah, breakneck pace. Darkness plays breakneck pace. Okay, well, 
At least they fucking rhyme. Uh, also, one thing that I forgot to write down uh, that I'm just now kind of coming into and remembering, uh, Davey Havoc from AFI did uh, guest vocals on this song. I have the album in front of me. Uh, d- yeah, Davey Havoc from AFI did guest vocals on Jekyll and Hyde on Days of the White Owl. Uh, so if you're looking for an introduction uh, into this band with a familiar voice, uh, Jekyll and Hyde is... Dude, so fucking fast. Like, this band is so, so fast. Like... Like I like I said, like what I wrote down, like it is bookended with piano parts that are really pretty and m- kind of fucking haunting. Um, but once this album starts, it does not stop. You do not get a chance to breathe. Like it is just you get to you you get introduced to the album with a piano and you're just like, oh wow, okay, okay, okay. And then the album kicks off with Fall of the All-American and then it just won't quit. It never fucking lets up. And I love that about this. Like, I love albums that just like keep you in like constantly and like to the point where like the album is over, just like the Amelda May album that I was talking about last week. Once it starts, it just doesn't stop. And this one, once it starts, it doesn't stop to the umpteenth extent. Like, it just... It goes, and it drives, and it keeps you interested. Because yes, it, yes, it's hardcore punk. But this band is so unique sounding. And the one of the best fucking hardcore punk bass players I have ever heard in my entire goddamn life. Once you start in on this... It is so much fun. Like I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying you're going to start a circle pit at home, but what I am saying is it is a a toe tapper to say the very least. Um I just really 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 like this album. Uh it it, it just it it doesn't it it doesn't it doesn't give you a chance it never gives you a chance you never stood a chance once you turn this album on uh but the album was released on uh, revelation records in 2000 like i had said uh and a little bit of background on revelation records uh it was founded in 1987 uh it is an indie record label uh focusing primarily on hardcore punk known for releasing albums from bands like youth of today sick of it all quicksand judge gorilla biscuits and this label is still releasing albums today. I mean, you just, you go through like they're the people that they have released and it, you, it just, the list just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. Like I know that we had talked about In My Eyes with the Explosion episode, they have done a release uh, on Revelation. I'm 90% sure I saw a Stick to Your Guns release on uh, Revelation. I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on. And, uh, one of the really cool things that I wasn't necessarily sure of, uh, and like check back and back and back and back and back and just, just making sure, uh, Revelation is credited, uh, with creating and, uh, cementing the youth crew sound as well as New York hardcore. Uh, and I know that those are two very, very different sounds. And, uh, what I think is cool about Revelation Records is most of those bands that I just said are straight edge, uh, Nerve Agents are not a straight edge band, um, but that Revelation put them out. And if you if you listen to any of those bands, like Nerve Agents totally fit in with Revelation. Re- yeah, Revelation Records. Like it just they they matched really, really well. Like they are not from New York. They do not have that youth crew sound, but they totally match what this record label was doing. Uh, and I know like New York hardcore is very, very, very like 
this is ours, um, so I just, I really, really need to make sure that it, like, was, and I checked, like, two, I checked three sources saying all the same thing that Revelation did cement the hardcore and Youth Crew sound, and Youth Crew, like, I absolutely love that shit, like, I'm not straight edge, but I fucking love straight edge hardcore. I love youth crew hardcore. It is, it is fun. I love the lyrics. The shows are dope and I never have a bad time. Um, and I got to get away from it, but this one was too good. I didn't take fuck all from it, but every time I start doing research on an album, I still go to punknews.org just to see if it's been talked about. And I know, like, I know it's just like, oh, well, then it's just me getting into a fight with the internet if it's a bad review. But this is a fun one. Like, <clears throat> I know the Alistair one was only, like, two stars and, like, or two or three stars. And that, like, bummed me out a little bit. Uh, and I love that album. Like, it's a really good album. And I still continuously listen to that album i listen to this album more and like this band more than alistair and punk news gave days of the white owl one star uh saying punk just refuses to die for some people and that's just stupid i understand like when you listen to days of the white owl it is very 80s 90s like hardcore influence like it's very reminiscent of black fat black flag and everything that like comes along with that territory but i mean this is it's a fucking hardcore punk band what do you want like what do you expect when you're reviewing this like you you're gonna say this shit and i already know this because i can already speak to it you're going to give a casualties record four out of fucking five stars and you're going to give the nerve agents one star on their first full-length release that's trash that is absolute trash i don't even understand that at least when i was talking about alistair i was willing to give the dude the benefit of the doubt the benefit of the doubt because it wasn't necessarily in my opinion an audience that was built for him like this is punknews.org days of the white owl by the nerve agents is a punk album what do you expect? What 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 could you possibly think when you are writing for a site called punknews.org and this album just swings across your fucking desk? Like, what is your bar to where you give this album that is just like all out chaos? Like, one star. Like, punknews.org, I love you. And I know that this is like a 15, like uh, almost fuck off. It's a 20 year old like album. Go fuck yourself. This album totally holds up. It has aged really, really, really well, in my personal opinion. But that's just me. Uh, excuse me. My personal opinion is uh, the reality is that uh, this album is punk is is punk rock in its purest form. Uh, the record is loud, abrasive, aggressive, fast, and ready to rumble. Uh, and they have timeless lyrics that back it up with songs about overcoming obstacles, perseverance, and just trying to cope with a world that's lost its damn mind. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's it's just it, it's just like you know, fucking the Distillers, like when they released when they released uh, Sing Sing Death House, like the lyrics in that album totally fucking hold up. Like the lyrics in this album totally fucking hold up. Once you get past like the mass chaos that's going on 
all around it. Like, if you sit down, if you read the lyrics, it's actually really, really fucking good. It's really reeled in. It's really smart. It's really clever. And it's very, very relatable. You just have to get around everything else that you don't like about the music if you want to understand the lyrics. If you do like this shit, sit down with a lyric sheet and have a really, really good time. Um, the band would go on to release one more album after this on Hellcat Records uh, called The Butterfly Collection, uh, and that would be released in 2001. Uh, this, keep, keep in mind, this band went for five years. It was nothing. It was nothing. It was just it was just a, it was a tailspin and in those five years this band became like so storied so mythos like built this audience and like created this sound that this sound that i still not have like have not heard like this is a really really hard genre to like make an album and then do it really really well and make it sound really really good and not only that but like have this sound that is so very uniquely yours you could pick it out of anything the nerve agents are absolutely that band the butterfly collection is has been called multiple times on shit that i have looked at the band swan song and i mean it it's if you ask me i like days of the owl or days of the white owl a little bit more um just because i i think it resonates with me a little bit better because like the first song that i ever heard evil was on there and it ended up being the first album that i found at a record store like in the wild like i wasn't even i didn't even know what i was looking for but i had found a career soldiers record and i was like i don't know where i'm at and what i'm doing but i'm going to keep looking because i never find career soldiers records and then i found a nerve agents album and i was like i could die in this record store um i didn't because it closed before i died um but <laughs> they just they had that kind of collection and uh the butterfly collection is a great album it that that album actually actually resonated with me in a time that i really really needed it to and i named one of my drinks uh at the place that i work now uh after after that album i eventually learned uh that the butterfly collection is also a book about uh binding torturing and raping women uh, so luckily the people that uh, go to garden table on mass ave in indianapolis aren't crazy well read um <clears throat> so it's a good album i mean all, th all three of this all, all three of their works that are the like have physical releases like they're fucking awesome like it you you literally can't go wrong the band never strays too terribly far they didn't have like a huge fucking career to be like you know what let's just take a left turn let's take a left turn like let's let's see let's see what happens when we get squirrely this band stayed totally on brand for three pieces you could listen to all of them and never ever ever be disappointed by anything that comes out but there are so many rumors surrounding why the band uh why the band had to break up uh andy outbreak's involvement in the distillers uh became a source of scheduling tensions uh as well as the pending uh birth of uh, ozine's daughter uh, the band played their last shows in december of 2002 at the pound in san francisco sharing the uh, bill with lars fredrickson the bastards and that that's it I mean, the band just, they never, they, they have not done anything. They have not resurfaced in social media times. Like, there has never, ever been talk. I mean, we are, this album was released in 2000. We're in 2020. Nobody, nobody is talking about a 20-year anniversary of Days of the White Owl or anything in between. And that's completely fine. Like, this band doesn't have to do anything because this band is so far cemented. And, like, whatever, the, the, the like the sphere that they created of punk in that time especially in a time where like punk wasn't doing super well like 
you know, you talk about the late 90s, you get into the early 2000s, like, punk wasn't doing well. We've talked about it before on here as well. Like, when I got into punk, punk was all but dying. And I'm not saying that it's on a huge fucking uptick right now, but uh, it's doing a lot better than it was. And I couldn't even imagine releasing this album in 2000 and, like, still, like, finding the ground and finding the wherewithal to, like, hit hit the road, go on tour, play these shows, play these shows with this music. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine putting on the show that they put on to a small empty room. Like that just, that would never ever work. Like, I, I, I understand how they could become like, and like, especially with the distillers. Cause once, once, once a fucking Andy outbreak joined the distillers, like that band blew the fuck up. So goddamn quick. And I mean, like, it's very understandable. The distillers are fucking dope it, and they're back to playing. Uh, but the nerve agents aren't back to playing. Uh, I wish that they would, as opposed to the distillers. Cause you know what? Quite frankly, I'm not a huge fan of grungy distillers there. I said it. I like sing, sing death house. And, uh, I like their self-titled album. Uh, everything else is kind of me. But that's uh, that's just my personal opinion, and uh, you can fight with me about it on the internet if you want. Um, but Nerve Agents were so fucking good. It, it's this band makes me so stoked, like constantly. Like I said last week, when I am just at like zero, like deciding on what I want to listen to, I will start with like an Amelda May record or Nerve Agents, and Nerve Agents. Uh, almost always went out over Imelda May. And I can say that now because I've already released the Imelda May episode. Nerve Agents, Days of the White Owl, The Butterfly Collection, self-titled, almost always hit. But it's always, 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 almost Days of the White Owl. I fucking love this record. You don't get a chance to take your breath. You look at the videos. It just, it totally speaks to what this band sounds like on tape. I am so fucking happy and so lucky that I am able to own all of these, all, all, all of their albums that I can just like go into and dig into and have a really, really good time listening to it. Cause I really, really like this band. I really like this band. Really, really, and their album art's always dope. Uh, kind of, yeah, meh, meh, meh. Uh, they had one t-shirt uh, that I really, really liked uh, with Carpe Diem on it. Uh, I didn't love the cover of their first album or their first EP, but like Days of the White Owl, uh, fucking, Butterfly Collection. That artwork is so sick. Like to this day, I still like when I when I had turned 18, I told myself my first tattoo was going to be a Nerve Agents tattoo, and it was going to be the cover of Days of the White Owl. I don't know why I didn't get that. Instead, I got a Transplants tattoo, but it is still on my fucking radar to get a Days of the White Owl tattoo because this fucking album has been there th- with me through so much, and like it's. It's just a good, it's a good album to listen to. Like, I'm not saying it's easy to listen to if it's not your thing. It's not. It's, it's not. But if this is your thing, this is a great album to listen to. It is a lot of fun. It keeps, it keeps its own pace and it never loses itself and it never like the wheels just never fall off like it stays fucking line drive and then like right in the middle of the whole fucking thing with Jekyll and Hyde you get that Davy Havoc guest vocal and like that just carries you through to the end and then you get those bookmarks at the top and the bottom with the classical piano and it just works it works for me and I hope like unholy hell it works for you that's all I'm gonna say about this record today again I'm doing a gauntlet recording so if any of these albums come up short or anything like that i apologize um i'm 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 trying i'm having i'm having a lot of fun uh i don't know why it took um there being a global pandemic uh for me to have a really really good time and uh just like 
genuinely enjoy doing this and not being stressed uh, probably because I don't have to work on anything uh, except like I'm I'm working on new drinks for my work uh, in my free time so there's something to look forward to when I'm allowed to fucking go back there um, but I I've got nothing but time and I've just I've I've had a really good time during I'm I'm not quarantined like I can leave my fucking house like I'm not sick um, but there's like I said nowhere to be nothing to do uh, hang out with one person and that's about it and then just carry on and most of the time is spent listening to music anyway what i will tell you is i really really like doing this and the more that i do it the more i enjoy doing it i know last week felt a little ah, it felt a little dry it felt a little dry because there was a lot of information i'm sorry about that i know i kind of got back into the swing of things this uh with this episode this week um and I feel feel really good about it. I really feel like I'm more back on track, like staying staying more in my wheelhouse of uh, albums uh, that I'm comfortable about ta- uh, talking with. Um, one thing that I will say though, uh, for next week, the episode that will be released next week, um, it will not be a punk band. It will not be a ska band. It will not be a psychobilly band. We are going completely new. Um, because I like more than punk, ska, and rockabilly. Like, I promise. Uh, and I keep saying that. Uh, so next week we are doing a true-to-form funk and soul album. I'm fucking stoked about it. It's fun. It's upbeat. The rhythms are fantastic. The horns keep you in. It. If you've never listened to it, when I, when I post it and you've never seen it, just listen. Listen to the song at the beginning of the episode. Just give it a listen. I I don't want to do this. Uh, like I don't want to do this podcast as like fucking fanfare for people that know everything about every fucking album. I'm looking at fucking, fucking you, Brad, in Iowa. That's why I'm not doing an anti-flag album uh, yet. Uh, but <laughs> let's get into some new music. Let's get let's get into something that you might not have heard of before. Whether you know most of what I talk about or you know nothing that I talk about. If you're in the camp of you know most of the bands that I talk about and you don't know what I'm talking about next week, get in there, man. Like, let's have fun. I'm really fucking looking forward to it. As always, my handle on Instagram is Bastards Bay. You can find me on Facebook under the same moniker that I record this under, Davy Casket. I'm really excited, guys. Just hang in there with me if you need anything i know it's still a really really weird time i'm having a good time with it not taking it too seriously but i'm staying safe staying safe and i'm doing the best that i can having a really really good time with finn so like i always say i'm here i'm available i would love to hear your voices give them hell